Uh, we're going to talk tonight about small groups, okay? Small groups. And I want, I'd like you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. By the way, I wrote a book on people building. I would be happy to give it to you. Uh, and it's all about the principles of people building. And I'm, I'm very uh, dogmatic about it because I have been used and misused, and I have used and misused people. And so have you, I'm sure. And I understand that temporarily people might be put in places to meet a need, but long term, it is not wise. It's not wise. So training and investment and love and care is so important long term. Long term. Okay, long term. Yes, correct. When you, when you say um, training them, yeah. what does that look like? Sure. I'm going to spend an entire class on it, but I'll answer it briefly. That uh, you are asking the questions, like we said last class, what are your passions? What is it that make you come alive? Uh, and you're talking to them and you're walking the slow walk, hand-holding them through, let's say, uh, you just heard a class on youth ministry. Somebody says, I have a call to be a youth minister. Great. Just because you say you have a call doesn't mean you have a call. But I want to walk you through. I want to see you in action. I want to talk to you about the principles of youth ministry. And I'm not sure if Pastor Pete talked about this. I'm sure, like, the background check and, and the convictions about purity and the convictions about how to handle a minor. And, how, you know, is there a charisma in the sense of, can you connect with that young person? So tra training has a lot to do more than just methodology and technique. Do you have a heart? Do you have a heart for what you're doing? Right? So I know that's a brief answer, but we're gonna, I want to spend a class on what it means to train, okay? Like for hospitality, Pastor Amir works with our hospitality. And what's he doing? He's not assuming people know how to be hospitable. Ah, just be friendly. Nope, that's not hospitality. Anybody can be friendly. The devil can be friendly. So, sorry to say that. We, we, have, we have angels on our team. But uh, we are, we're teaching them, instructing them how to, again, minister Christ, how to have a spirit of grace, how to turn things around. Maybe someone has a bad attitude, right? So you're going to absorb that bad attitude and you're going to give them Christ, right? How to do that how, or deflect it is a better way of saying it. So training is all about role-playing, scenarios, uh, rebuttals, and of course deflection and holding fast to the ministry aspect of ministry, okay? So uh, it, another key point is like a, a servant sacrificial leader wants his people that you're working shoulder to shoulder with, you want them to be better than you. You want them to go further than you. An insecure leader oftentimes holds people down and is critical in micromanagement, right? Mm -hmm. Micromanagement doesn't work. That's why we don't manage people. When we manage people, it means we're trying to control the outcome, we're trying to stifle them, or we're trying to conform them to something that we do. Leadership and I know this is kind of a review tonight. Leadership is we're identifying their gifts, we're encouraging them, we're training them, and there's diverse, we celebrate, and I don't mean to be a humanist over here, we celebrate diversity in Christ. 
But do you know what the key is? We're like-minded. Okay, we're like-minded. That's everything. We gotta be saying the same thing. Okay? Not doing the same thing, but we have maybe different journeys, but the same destination, right? Yvonne might do it differently than I do because that's his personality. Not that we lead in our personality, but we lead according to the leading of the Spirit. But our end game is, what's our ultimate end game? Christ. Christ, but more specifically, what's our ultimate end game? Discipleship. Discipleship. This is how things remain, right? John 15, 16, how does fruit remain? Uh, Discipleship. Discipleship. We invest, right, how to have, so they have a relationship with God. I'm not getting my content right now, but just to say, I don't want people to be like me. I don't want people to be like you, all right? Even though you're awesome, right? We want people to be like Christ, right? 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. We want people to develop their relationship with God so when you and I are not around, they are functional, they are effective, and they are doing what you do or, or acting in the same spirit that you're acting, okay? If you got a bunch, you know, people try to imitate Pastor Shabelli, right? People try to imitate Pastor Schaller. They try to, you know, and... Or they try to um, they try to imitate somebody else, and it backfires. We're not called to be anybody like that. Like, I don't want you to imitate me. I want you to learn from you know we we are definitely um, imitators of Christ. And here's a good verse. Uh, Hebrews. Oh, uh, I just went out of my mind. Um, Oh my goodness, whose faith follow. The verse just went right out of my mind. Sorry, my microphone is a little bit hokey tonight. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I think it's, the verse just went out of my mind. Okay, it talks about following people's faith. Do you know that verse, Pastor Ramir? I was looking at it right now. It's for, I'm sorry, yeah. So the idea is that we give double honor and we follow their faith, right? Yeah, it's imitating Christ, but it's in Hebrews. 6.12? Is it 6.12? Then you will not be sluggish, but will imitate those who pertain. No. Uh, that's a good verse, though. Ah, okay. 13.7? Yes, there it is. Thank you. 13.7. All right, 13.7. Remember those who have rule over you and who have spoken the word of God, whose faith follow. There it is. Whose faith follow. Decisions that they make, maybe you're not going to imitate their exact decisions of, of where they go and what they do, but you're going you're gonna to be inspired by who they follow. That, that's a key point, Okay. And the 13.17 is also a very good verse. Obey those who have rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls and must give an account. Let them do this with joy and not grief. So, again, the point is that a good leader is somebody that's not breaching people's privacy. Okay, we're not, we're not breaching people's privacy or meddling with their personal lives, but we're presenting Christ. Follow Christ. 
the, the example of Christ. Okay. All right, I want, to, I want to shift gears here. Look at Matthew with me, Matthew chapter 4. Now, I want to talk about small groups. And this is uh, one of the most important aspects of ministry, okay? Small groups, small groups. Now, especially now where we're seeing the dismantling of the megachurch, and we're seeing it uh, where plain church or churchianity is not really cutting it anymore. And I think the pandemic has really showed us that, okay, for a lot of reasons, okay? So one thing that many churches have tried to initiate, as well as our church, is to have small groups inside the large group, okay? And the idea of small groups is that it cultivates connections, okay? Cultivation. Connections. Okay, we are all hardwired for connections. We, remember we spent a few classes ago talking about wanting to be known, wanting to be loved, wanting to be cared for, right? We talked about that in Psalm 142. Remember David said, his greatest complaint was what was three what was three com- complaints that David had that the church meets in each each one. Nobody, nobody cared. Nobody cared for my soul. Yes. What was the second one? Refuge failed me. He didn't have a place. Excellent. What was the third one? No one acknowledged. No one acknowledged me. Okay. Good. Okay. Nobody knew my story. Right. So the church. Not that it's perfect, but we are, sur- we are gathering around a perfect Christ, right? So when someone comes into your church or into your, into your sphere, we're not looking to be perfect. We can't compete with Hollywood. We can't compete with the world, but we are cultivating connections. We want people to connect to Christ's life. Amen? I mean, what are we doing here tonight? Am I, am I wanting to pound you with information? I hope not. I'm hoping to show you the value of something that you will work through and it will it might look different, right? Philippians 2.12, you'll work out your salvation, but the end game is discipleship. The end game is love. The end game is multiplication. The end game is growth. Growth. Okay? Life begets life. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life, okay? All right, look at Matthew chapter 4, 19. Who wants to read that for me here? And as you're turning there, small groups, okay? Small groups are not meant to take the place of a church service. They're not meant to take place of a church. They're not meant to decentralize the church. But they are made to bring people together inside the church. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, all right, Matthew 4.19. Let's hope, who wants to read that? Yes, Craig, go ahead. Then he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Excellent. Fishers of who? Men. Men, okay. So they were by trade... Fishermen, now they're going to be fishers of men. God is going to draw them 
And in John chapter 12, we see that a fisher of men is, that's 13, 7, 17. But in John chapter 12, I believe it's verse 32, as we lift up Christ, he will draw all men unto himself. Okay? All right. So I want to talk practically about small groups because this is the number one request when new people come into our church here. Now, our church is, our church is a large church. We have about 1,000, 1,100 active members, okay? And the reason why I know that is because that's our department, right? InReach. We are reaching in, helping people connect to the vibrant life of Christ in our church, Okay. We have three services a week, but we have something going on every day. This is a very unusual place. Would you agree? And it's a gift, right? We get something that goes on at 12 o'clock. We got all day, right, Pastor Amir? We got radio. We got lunch wraps. We've got uh, spontaneous prayer times. uh, We have spontaneous wraps. We have Bible classes. What you have here. And we're not better than anybody else, but we're just uh, thankful. But it's hard to, to um, it's not common. Let's just, I'll be safe to say it's like that, okay? Um, all right, let's look at Matthew 16 for a minute. I want to show you something here about small groups. Small groups. Oh, good. <laughs> you can tell I'm just like blowing through chalk here. Um, small groups, again, so... When people come to the church, they may not say, I want to be known. They may not say, I want someone to care for me. They may not, so, they may not say, I want to belong to something. But the, the, the natural uh, in, ingredient of, of our basic needs is that we're known, loved, and cared for, found significance. Now, people in the world think they're going to find it in the world. The unbeliever looks in the wrong place. But when people come to the church... They know what they want, but they don't know what they need. So one of the questions I love to ask a new person is, first of all, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Remember, we we want to kind of listen to their story, right? We want to learn where where they've been so that we can talk to them, not at them. And then we want to love them with God's story, right? Does that sound familiar? Remember the three L's? Okay. And then fourthly, we lead them beyond themselves, Okay, so in a small group, which we do here, I'll use Grow Deeper as an example. Grow Deeper is a Tuesday night fellowship that we have in our cafe, and it's specifically designed for new people to the church. And we have been going through the statement of faith. And it's an interactive time where people are broken up into groups of threes or fours, and we walk through the statement of faith. Hey, yes, Craig. Hey. I was going to ask you, is your statement of faith similar to your doctrinal statement? Exactly. Okay. It is exactly that. Yep. Right. So we walk through, for instance, the Holy Spirit. We walk through the Great Commission. We walk through the uh, who is God, who is man. So we have 18 classes that we've created that talk about our doct- doctrinal statement. Okay. And so there's a moderator. I moderate it, or another gentleman named Antonio. And what we do is we present what we believe, and we have dialogue questions that people work with at the tables. And they are looking up scripture, and they're answering the dialogue questions among themselves. 
And then the moderator is someone that is, uh, again, hearing what the talk is about. We call it table talk. And then, of course, moving on to the next, um, the next topic. It lasts about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. So these small groups are really important because a lot of several things happen. Okay, first of all, um, well, actually, I got ahead of myself here. Okay, uh, well, I'll just say this because I want to talk about how to start a small group. Okay, first of all, the idea of it is that people that come to your church, they actually uh, are able to share and ask the questions that are important to them. Okay, that's really important. A lot of times we can shoot the gospel gun and tell them all kinds of information. And they're like, it's like a deer in headlights. It's like too much information, right? This is why we're thinking like a church planter. We're thinking like a new person. I challenge you, the next time you come to church, pretend you're brand new. Put everything out of your mind that you think you know and walk around the church like you're brand new. It's not easy. But you know what? You may see something very important, right? Signage is important. Your welcome center, very important. People that you can come in contact with, how are they? Are they um, warm, friendly, and so on and so forth. Okay, so the small group, again, fosters answers to people's questions. Okay, <clears throat> why do people leave your church? A couple reasons. Okay, number one, they're not getting the answers to their questions. That's one reason, okay? That's a big one, actually. Okay. I talked to a guy just the other day that complained about some things, and talking with him was a very educational conversation. And I thanked him for his complaint. And, I, and, I, and it's something that, that um, you know, we take those complaints and uh, we listen to them, right? Number two, not only do we answer their questions, number two, we love them into their place. Remember, we talked about that, where, again, we're looking to what is their greatest interest. Like, let's say they are a single parent and they have a couple teenagers. What's the first thing I'm going to talk about? Okay, no brainer. Okay, what are you looking for in a church? Okay, I might not start with Bible college. I might not start with evangelism. I might not start... Maybe I will, but I want to talk about what's applicable to them in their need. Again, we're leading them beyond just their need, and we want to connect them to the life of what's available beyond their need. Remember we talked about that? A relationship. We're building a relationship beyond the need, okay? We want to go beyond the need, okay, into their calling, okay? Sorry, I'm so low on my board tonight. Um, all right, so, so the small group is a way to learn their name, learn their story, learn a little bit about their, their challenges. And we're there to speak into their life and to help. Uh, I call it bottom shelf. You know what I'm saying? Bottom shelf. One second. Uh, the bottom shelf means that we're learning to maybe go low where they are and really and really just kind of say, okay, what is it that is in your heart? What is it that's in your mind? And maybe we're praying with them. Maybe we're just listening to them. Uh, maybe there's tears. Maybe there's, um, maybe you go there to do a small group study and you don't talk about anything, 
the content that you've prepared, but you're there to pray with them or counsel them. It, the, the, the small group atmosphere can be very versatile. Yes, Elon. Uh, yeah, uh, I was uh, thinking about what you said about, uh, hey, what are your expectations from the church? Uh-huh. And uh, actually, well, to me, it seems kind of weird, because maybe it's because of the culture, but in France, it seems that people don't even, don't even have expectation on the church because they don't know what it is, you know, in a sense. Uh-huh. They don't even know what they can expect or not from the church. So mm-hmm. how to help them, how to ask the question if they're not even able to even picture like what they are looking for in the church? Excellent question. Okay. Oftentimes you'll find that the person has no idea who we are, where they have come, and even know why they're there. Like somebody said, oh, my friend brought me. So in that case, we just slowly present what we're about. Okay? We're a Bible-believing church that's passionate about sharing our faith, serving our community, and making disciples. Go slow. Because what you know and what you say has a lot of weight. I think we forget that. I think we forget that people don't talk like you and me. You're in the world where people are very secular, very self-oriented. And when you start talking about we're here to serve our community, disciple people in the Bible, and to help people grow in their faith, they're going to be like... So, so, so let's say when you're talking to somebody and they're like, they begin to start asking questions. We call it bottom shelf. Start from the basics. Be careful of terminology. Don't use terminology. Give me an example of terminology. Old man and the new man. Okay. Very powerful theological concept. Unknown to the new person, potentially. Old sin nature. Old sin nature. Body of Christ. Great. What's another way to say the body of Christ? We just did this and grow deeper. The church. What's another way of saying? Okay, good. Fellowship. Even better. The family. The family. Even better. Okay. Break it down. You're breaking it down. Okay. Yes, Aaron. Uh, I also want to ask a question about small groups. Yeah. Like, for example, in some mission uh, fields that you cannot have like big groups. Yeah. Big meetings. What do you think about to have like small groups and how many people can be in a small group? Sure. And how, I mean, you know, the relationship between small groups or the leadership between groups? Yep. Groups. L- let me get there. Let me get there. Uh, those are great questions. So... Typically, small groups are no more than 15 people, 20 max, okay? Uh, Again, uh, there are activity groups, which we have in our church, bicycling, shooting, uh, hiking. But small groups, right? Not shooting people. (laughs) Come on now, guys. (laughs) Okay. uh, so, again, numbers can vary, but the idea is it's personal. And usually, you know, you, when, you, when you look at small groups, you know, one person cannot, cannot really effectively disciple more than three to seven people. Okay? Jesus had three people effectively disciple. So, again, I want to I kind of back up for a minute because with small groups, 
you want to make it personal. You want to make sure you can talk to them, really hear them, and uh, understand what they're saying. Okay? So let me back up a second, and I'll answer those questions. I know you got some good questions already happening. So in our church, okay, we have about 1,100 people. Okay? And the first thing you want to ask yourself is where do your people come from? Where do your people come from? Okay. So with outreach and follow-up, uh, there's no sense, and, and I want you to hear me out, if, in, in, in our particular church, 80% of our traffic, and I mean it, it's actually higher, but 80% conservatively, come from the northeast area of our church. So here's Moravia Park Drive, goes right up to Towson, to Dundalk, okay? This is where we have what's called our community groups. We have about eight active community groups in places like Parkville, Hamilton, uh, uh, White Marsh, uh, help me out here, Perry Hall, Perry Hall Dundalk, Lutherville. We do have one in Lutherville? Beautiful. Okay, so the idea is where do people come from? So about 80% of our People that come to our services come from the northeast area of the church. The other 20%, and they are valuable, okay? But is it our emphasis? Not really. It's not really our emphasis. Now hear me out, okay? West Baltimore, we have a church in West Baltimore, Owings Mills, Frederick, okay? Glen Burnie, okay? We, uh, um, da -da 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 -da. Have it a grace, okay? HDG. So these... These satellite churches, we have nine of them, they pick up these other people that are outside of the major traffic, the major trafficked areas. Now, it's impossible to effectively disciple and follow up people if you're everywhere, okay? So you want to ask yourself, where does the bulk of my attendance, attendees come? So for us, it's 80% is from Towson to Dundalk, and so therefore... This is where we spend 99% of our time, okay? Do we go to these 20%? Absolutely, we do. But it's, it's not our highest priority, okay? Why do we do that? Because to effectively minister in this area, uh, it's just like in business, not to use a business principle, but you go where the response is, okay? And it's the same, it's the same principle in, in, in spiritual. In spiritual. Otherwise, you're traveling, okay, you're here in Baltimore, you're traveling 40 minutes, okay, when you can do one visit, and God may lead you to do it like that, but if you have 40 minutes, you could do three visits here. You see what I'm saying? So, again, it's, it's just a matter of being led by the Spirit, but that's a big question. Where is the response from your people? Where are people coming from, Okay. And we watch this. We, have, we average between 20 and 25 visitors a month. Okay? And our stats are this, that 3 out of 10 people fill out our cards. So 30% of our capture rate, which is, which is average, 30%, and we're able to capture about 25 new people that fill out cards a month. That's pretty awesome. Okay? Where are those 25 people coming from? Okay? That's where we're identifying. We have a radio broadcast, and 21218 seems to be where we get most of our 
radio broadcast for some odd reason. Okay? With the Grace Hour. How many have heard of the Grace Hour? Okay. Um, <laughs> having fun with my chalk tonight. All right. So it's not a bad thing to kind of follow the, follow the breadcrumbs. And then you have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing bringing people into the door? Okay, that's another question. Okay. So strategy is valuable here. Does that make sense? Okay, just simple things, just simple things. Uh, that um, this is why we've reached out further because there are people that have had uh, interests uh, and so therefore we built uh, a ministry there to best serve them. All right, I want to go back to small groups for a minute. So when people come into your church, okay, when people come into your church, they're asking themselves, okay, who are you? Right, is this a safe place? Because nine out of ten, and this is a real number, they're going to look at your website. Are websites valuable in your church? Critical. How about social media? Critical. Social media. We're going we're to spend some time in another time, right? So... Social media, if used correctly, is a beautiful tool. So people are going to investigate you, right? So you want to have you want to have a presentation that is accurate. So when they come in, they have some sort of idea where they're walking because they're asking this question: Who are you, right? Some good slang there. Who are you? Okay. Who are you? Okay. Another question they're going to ask is, where you am I? Where am I? And will this benefit me? Sorry to say, they're, going to, they're, they're oriented towards themselves. So when you meet them, you're inviting them to a smaller group. Okay? You're, maybe that small group would be in the cafe, and you're talking to them over coffee or we typically invite people for lunch. Food is a great way to disarm people, right? But again, the more time you're spending with them, the more time you're talking to them and letting them talk back, right? Interaction, interaction, interaction is the deeper they're going to not only be impacted by the meeting, but they're also going to get their, their real questions. What is their real questions, right? My goodness, I'm writing hieroglyphics tonight. They're real questions. What are some questions you had when you came into the ministry? What are some questions you had? Do you remember? Yeah. Gary? I remember asking, who's my pastor? <laughs> That's a good question. That's an advanced question. Good. That was the first thing you asked? Okay. Craig, what was the question you asked? That's a good question. When I came, when I learned about this ministry, my first question is, is this, are you guys, I thought you guys was a cult. Oh, okay. When I first, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's actually very common, actually. Yeah. 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 I love when people say that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not being smart, but I'm just, I'm just like, come and see and notice the freedom and, 
Yeah. So how did you reconcile that? Uh, I kept, I kept coming. Good for you. He kept coming and then I said, the spirit, the spirit revealed um, what it was. Because I, I've, I've been around church a long time. Sure. And um, it was different. Uh-huh. And I said, man, this, this can't be real. But what it actually was, it was the Bible coming alive. Excellent. I'm so glad you said that. That's so good. We're not going to ask or talk about your finances or or breach into your private life. And like like a cult can be a very uh, obviously an oppressive uh, situation, right? But we get that a lot. We get that a lot. What, what, no, what's another question that you might, Pastor Mayor? Yeah, um, do they have membership? Okay, membership. Do we have membership in our church? Boy. We do not have membership, actually. Somebody might say, you don't have membership? Well, I always have fun with people. Did Jesus have membership? Did Jesus have you send your financials in there? Now, I'm all about, I respect membership, but our attitude is when you walk through our door, you're a member. If you've been here five minutes or five years or 50 years, you're treated the same. Okay, But our, our new member class, our Grow Deeper class, is a way for us to contact your information so that we can stay in touch with you, pray with you, help you grow, right? Good. What's another question you may have asked? What do you believe? What do you believe? Okay. Thank you. That's a big one. That's a big one. What do you believe? All right. So whatever question you want to be acutely aware so that you're addressing their question, okay? All right, so let me, let me show you a couple points here, and you can look at this. Um, now, if you're talking about area studies, we call it the 20-20-20 principle, okay? Now, let's say you want to minister in Parkville, okay? Let's say you want to, let's say your church, you're reaching out to the community, okay? And you want to hit Parkville, Okay? How many people live in Parkville? I live in Parkville. Okay. So. We're the other 20%. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. We love you, Joe. We go to the ends of the earth for you. <laughs> I forgot. You're in Pasadena, aren't you? Or some Arbutus. See, you're like, you're on the fringe, man. <laughs> so Joe is one of those non statistics uh, Statistical, statistical, yeah, examples. How far okay. is that, Pastor Jason? He, what are you, 30 minutes, 25 minutes? This time I'm 15 minutes. Okay. Depends. Okay, through the tunnel. We, we don't get many stragglers through the tunnel, so you're, you're definitely a disciple. All right. Um, so what we're doing, so, so let's say... Let's say we're doing an outreach and we want to start a small group. Maybe that would start in your home. Maybe that is something that uh, you do in a cafe or a um, community center. Here's a couple of things that you'd, you want to think about. First of all, you want to map out or look at the area that you want to evangelize. Okay, Just look at the area and ask yourself, okay, where is a place? Let's say you want to do it in your home. Let's say you want to do a weekly Bible study. So typically you'd evangelize your street uh, or the streets around you. Now we have a principle in visitation where when we go visit somebody, 
Okay, let's say this, let's say this uh, house one had come to the church. So what we do is when we visit them, we come with a gift, we thank them for coming. Do we call people before we come? Do we do that? Okay, sometimes. But remember, countercultural, we don't, right? Why don't we? Why don't we call people? Yeah, catch them off guard, because there'll always be an excuse why not to come, okay? So we show up at their door, and remember, it's a brief visit. We have a gift in our hands, and we don't necessarily need to go in, right? Remember that from our, our previous classes? So we're there for a few minutes. Thank you for coming. Here's a gift. Here's some upcoming events. We'd love to see you again, okay? Then we door knock or evangelize five doors in each direction. Okay? Okay, and so on, so on, and so on. Okay? What does this do? We are able to let your neighbors know, hey, you know, your neighbor, Mr. Jones, came to our church and had a great experience, and we wanted to make sure you knew about it too. Okay? This is very, this is very, this is like an awesome way to reach a neighborhood. Okay? So let's say you go on the visitation and they're not home. You leave the gift at the door, and you're still able to reach out to these other neighbors. Okay? And I, I go times five. You don't have to do that. You can do times 10 or times two, whatever you want. But it's amazing. You can refer to the neighbor and it's powerful. Okay, they don't know you from, from anywhere, but they know their neighbor, right? Your neighbors know you, by the way. They watch you, especially Pastor Amir. <laughs> He's an interesting character. So um, I, I was convicted. I'll say I was convicted one day. Oh my gosh, the whole hour went so quick. Okay, I was convicted one day. I was racing across town to do evangelism, and um, the Holy Spirit seemed to tell me, what about your neighbor next door? Are, are they important? And I was like, oh, I don't have time for them. And it was like, it was wrong. I was wrong. So I literally shifted from going 30 minutes to three minutes. And this is where we started to really see something happen in my neighborhood. So I want, you got two minutes? Can I just yeah. take you for two more minutes? I, I hate to do this, but I might need to spend more time on this. So we want to map out your area, invite people, okay, invite people, maybe through tracks, okay, invite them to a Bible study. And uh, we did what was called taco night. We had an event. I said, hey, come for some free tacos and we'll read the Bible together. We had 30 people in our house. And our house is like a, like a, it's a pretty small house, okay? Okay, people came for the tacos, obviously. <laughs> but we got to meet our neighbors. We got some people from the church that came. And so we started to, we, we did this for a while. It, we did it once a month and we had food and, and the Bible, right? And we grew what's called the Parkville uh, Community Group, okay? And this area study it was 20 minutes of food, okay, and fellowship, 20 minutes of Bible, and 20 minutes of Q&A. Now, that, you don't have to do these numbers, but typically, I'm thinking it's an hour. 
You don't want to have it too long. You want people hungry, hungry spiritually. We never did it in an hour. Ours was like two and a half hours. But we ended in an hour and people hung out. That's better than someone hostage in your house, right? But 20 minutes, right? We started at 6 o'clock. We had lots of food. Got them carved up, coffeeed up, okay? 20 minutes of Bible. Hey, we're going to talk about something. You know, we're going to talk about, pick a, pick, a, pick a theme that's like relevant and something that you can talk about from the Bible. And then 20 minutes where they can ask questions. And these area studies are awesome. They were great. So what you're doing is you're getting time with people so that they can better connect to the larger church. Because let me just tell you, people are lost in the church. People are lost in the church. What I mean by that is they might not look lost, they might talk nice and have the right lingo, but they, their feet are not on the ground. They're not on the ground. So the more time you spend with them, you're, you're helping them plant and uh, become part of the, the overall family of God, okay? So there's a lot more that I think I'm going to spend another class on this because obviously we did not cover this entirely. Any questions so far? Yes, uh, Andrew. The neighbor number one that you're visiting, are you telling them you're visiting all their neighbors? No. <laughs> it's on a need-to-know basis. Why would I tell them that? I mean, I could say, hey, we're going to invite your neighbors, but, but people might get weird with you. Just, you're, just, you're there to make, you know, you're talking to them, and then you're reaching out to their neighbors and saying, hey, your neighbor came to our church, and we just want to invite you as well. I would, I would just, I'd, I'd kind of discern the capacity on that. Yeah, Pastor yeah, Mary. I, I, I hate asking this question to you, but I would like to follow up with that. Like, what if this neighbor's, uh, he doesn't want to find out that he goes to church? They're Muslims. <laughs> They're all Muslims. <laughs> you mean this guy? Yeah, what if he doesn't want the other neighbors to find out that he goes He'll to probably church. tell you that. So, okay. we had a guy, so funny, we had a guy at Welcome Sunday, and we were telling him about the church, and I just so happened to casually mention, we do visit, and just to encourage you, because do not come to my house. Like, he was like, he... He eyeballed me, point blank. Do not come to my house. I said, no problem. So there's an example of we won't come to his house, and we certainly won't tell his neighbors that he comes to our church. <laughs> or maybe they have a fight, and his neighbors find out, hey, your neighbor came to visit our church. Gary? I was just uh, questioning about... Like, when do you begin to integrate the smaller meetings, like, and encourage them to, to like, be a part of the body? Oh. <laughs> because, you know, like you're, you mentioned how people are oriented to, like, what's, what's going to benefit me. And, but but that, that kind of can be soulish. It Absolutely. Can, it can be, like, you know, they're dependent on that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, so that happens almost immediately, actually. So in our Grow Deeper... Uh, again, we have about 15 or 18 people, and they're broken into tables of three and four. We have a table leader at each table, so they can talk and actually build relationships. Uh, another good thing is you're using your people and growing them in their leadership style. Because, for instance, you have somebody at a table, 
And what they're doing is they're contacting that person outside of the church times. And you're getting coffee with them. You're getting calls with them. And you're inviting them to other parts of the church. Okay? So let's say this. So let's say they start, and I want to spend another class to do this justice, but they start at Grow Deeper, okay? And then they're being migrated to different parts of the church family, okay? And we call that exposure. We're calling that exposure. So for instance, let's say they have an interest uh, in, in music ministry. Okay, I want them to meet our music director, okay? So maybe the first you know, one to two times, it's uh, about them and their questions. But we're, we're, what we're doing is we're, we want them to meet the pastor. We want them to, we give them a tour of the property. We want to uh, show them the bigger picture almost immediately. Now, that hand-holding, that slow walking may take a long time. I have estimated it takes about three months, three months, and sometimes six months, to really have people planted in your church. I would say minimum three months. Minimum. And more likely six months. You might say, oh, that's a long time. It really isn't. Maybe they come once a week, twice a month. New people, you have to really lovingly draw them in. Was there another question? Yeah, I've got two. Okay. The question is, uh, because you're spending so much time for new persons, yes. how do you keep it balanced with discipleship? Yes. And the other one was, what's the ratio in the groups that you're doing in a personal group? How many already uh, found, founded based on the word Christians you have in your groups? You know, like, Do you have only new believers or do you take people from the church or do you take people from the church and from your team because you're working together? You have excellent questions. Yeah, I'm going to spend a class on that, okay, because that, that's very important. So the ratio, you have what's called the core, the nucleus, and the fringe. Do you remember that when we talked about that? The core are your disciples, and so they're helping you in your small groups to develop friendships. You have the nucleus, you have people that are close to you, that know what's going on, that are also overlapping and investing. And then you have the fringe, which is about 70% of your church, believe it or not, that come once a month or twice a month and they don't know what's going on. So the core and the nucleus, which is about 30% of your church, the core being 10%, there that 30% is reaching the other 70 So... In our Grow Deeper, we've had unsaved people there. We've led Muslims to Christ at our tables. Um, so again, you have a wide range. You have people that have been churched or have ba had bad doctrine, or you have people that are just like a clean slate of paper. They have no idea. So again, you have to, your team, your team is really important. So, um, and I want to spend a class because I don't want to rush it, but you have people placed so that they can address the new person, you, the, the person that's new to the church but not a new believer. And then, of course, you have a seasoned person that is ready to jump into action. Okay? So, again, you have many different levels. You have, you're, again, connecting them to the big picture. Okay? That's why Q&A, we call them rap sessions. Very important. It's important people have a way to digest. Again, don't underestimate... Like people don't understand everything that you're telling them. So you have to really walk it slow with them. And even if they say they understand, they don't understand. 
I mean, I remember with me, it took years, right? It took maybe for you, it was easy, but right? Did it take you a while? Mm -hmm. Took a while, right? And then when I thought I knew it, I did have no idea, right? Come evangelizing on come evangelizing on Saturday. Do you know we have thirty different neighborhoods that we minister to? Thirty different neighborhoods. Yeah, just come and see. Just come. Make it real simple. Bottom shelf. I'll buy you breakfast. Don't even. Don't make it complicated. Just come and see. They come. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything. You don't have to say a word. Just exposure. I want you to see it. And they're like, oh my gosh, we can do this. We can be a part of this. Yes. Okay. And then after a while, they start coming on their own. It's you're leading them, right? You're leading them out. You're leading them out. And to the, it's like a slingshot. To the measure you bring them in is to the velocity that they'll go out. Okay? Just like a slingshot. You're bringing it in, and it's tight, right? And then bring them into the body, and then boom, they're sent out, right? And that's awesome. Okay. Father, thank you for these thoughts tonight. Amazing class. Lord, just uh, be glorified. Help us, Lord, to love people and to um, help them into their place. In Christ's name, amen.